Good morning, NFL fans, and welcome to another edition of Monday Morning Huddle. I am your host, Dave Holcomb, and we have an action-packed show for you today as we had an action-packed Week 3 in the NFL season, so let's get right to it. We're going to uh, recap the game that just ended. Uh, Our recording, of course, is every Sunday night, um, and then aired for you on Monday morning. Uh, That Sunday night game was the New England Patriots visiting the Baltimore Ravens, a rematch of the AFC Championship game. Uh, both these teams are coming into to, to, uh, Sunday's game with losses uh, in Week 2, which meant uh, in this young season, one of these two teams would go into Week 3 with a losing record. And, and uh, neither of these teams are used to having losing records. New England has not had a losing record in over 145 games since 2003. Uh, they, they have not had a record uh, with more losses than wins. Um, that at, uh, has not happened since 0-1 start in 2003, which is cr- quite incredible. Uh, and Baltimore has not lost, I think the stat was, has not lost back-to-back games since 2008. Uh, quite uh, a run for them as well. That 2008 was John Harbaugh's uh, first season with the Baltimore Ravens. Now his fifth year uh, is this year. So this was a heavily anticipated game, a good one for Sunday Night Football. Of course, these two teams that were in the AFC Championship game last year could very well be uh, an AFC Championship preview for this year. Um, These are two premier teams in the AFC, and and they showed that again on Sunday night. Uh, But but the early um, reactions to this game... I think, again, um, are the referees. The, the referees, once again, it was probably wasn't quite as bad as Monday night um, against uh, when, when Denver w- went into Atlanta, something that we didn't get to talk to on this show because our show airs on Monday, so we don't really talk about Monday night games. But um, that was quite an embarrassment for the NFL um, and their referee situation, what happened on Monday night in, in the Georgia Dome. Um, this this was bad, but it wasn't quite that bad. Uh, there were a lot of uh, penalties, um, lots of calls. There there was a stat uh, released today that the pass interference numbers are up, which makes sense. Um, repra- replacement referees, I, you would have to assume, are going to have a tendency to try and take the rules probably a little more literally. Um, and th- we definitely saw that... Um, in this Sunday night game, a lot of ticky-tacky calls. There was a controversial call uh, with about three, less than three minutes left in the game where um, the, the Ravens intercepted a pass from Tom Brady, but a uh, legal contact was called. And if you were watching the game at that point, um, the, the, the Raven crowd got together and had a great chant of an obscenity. Uh, it was quite impressive, and even Al Michaels had to make reference to it because you clearly hear it on TV. I'm not going to repeat it for this podcast, but um, it it got it got ugly. Um, and, and you know what? I, I think they might have gotten that call right, though. It was a controversial call. Was it? They they called it illegal contact. It probably wasn't illegal contact. 
Um, illegal contact by definition is not making contact with a wide receiver after five yards. And it looked like the cornerback released off of that contact after five yards and then made the interception. Was there holding? Was there was there a push? Maybe. So maybe you can call a pass interference, maybe a holding. Uh, still automatic first down, so it doesn't really make a difference. Um, I know uh, Chris Collinsworth was making a big deal about how they, they probably got the call wrong and should have been holding, but at the end of the day, they're both five-yard penalties. They're both automatic first downs, so the interception wouldn't have counted either way. Um, but but John Hallball went crazy with this call and was call, trying to call a timeout on the next play and ended up getting an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, um, which could have really cost the Ravens. It ended up um, not costing them, but... but the normally calm Bill Belichick was was screaming, and you know, depending on if you're a Patriot fan or not, Belichick was whining to uh, the the referees, um, and and right up until the last kick, which rookie Justin Tucker, the field goal kicker, uh, kicked the game-winning field goal with t- uh, two seconds left from 27 yards away, uh, and it barely and I mean barely squeezed through the uprights uh, it the the ball was kicked so high that it that it kind of went over the upright and th- the rule by the way I understand it is if it goes directly over the upright it is a good kick um, but it's very close whether it went over it, it looked like on the replay that it was maybe a little bit even inside um, it was to the the right upright if you're facing the the um, the way the kicker was facing the the uprights, um, so it was to the right and it was just inside to the left and snuck through there. Um, something that we're going to talk about maybe a little bit a little bit later in this opening segment, the the rookie field goal kicker Justin Tucker coming through. But besides the referees, something that was huge in this game. Um, coming from the winning side anyway, is Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco proved his worth again. And and how many times does this guy have to come through in order for people to start realizing, hey, this guy is a good quarterback? I'm not going to say he's elite. I'm not going to say you know that he's among the best in the league. He's good. And I would even say that he is great um, at, at times. And I, for me, I want to see more consistency from Joe Flacco. I, I think I said that last week um, after the game in Philadelphia. Need to see more consistency. Um, but he had a great game tonight. He had a great game. It was a home game. Baltimore plays much better at home. Um, but, you know, and they, they always play up to opponents as well. But this is a huge win for Baltimore to get um, the the win against the the team that knocked him out of the playoffs last year, uh, the Joe Flacco and the Ravens, I don't think have ever beaten Tom Brady in the regular season. Um, so this this was a big win in that regard. Uh, it, it puts them a game ahead of the Steelers, who who were upset um, by the Raiders. So they're a game ahead of them, and they keep pace with the Bengals, who they've already beaten this year in the division. It's it's still early, but th- these are all things that are important for that division. And, you know, you have to have confidence in Joe Flacco going forward. Of course, one of the leading stories from this game was Torrey Smith. His brother died uh, in a car or a motorcycle accident earlier on Sunday morning, Saturday, very late Saturday night. 
and uh, Torrey Smith ended up playing in the game. Uh, was very emotional, could be seen uh, crying at times on the sideline or tearing up at least. But Torrey Smith, somebody who uh, the receiver that was thinking about not even playing, played and he played very well. Had by far his best game of the year, um, catching two touchdowns. Led the team in receiving with 127 yards, six receptions, and two of them going for scores. So Ray, Ray Rice also was was moving on all cylinders. So Baltimore really struggled early on in the first quarter. New England got out to a 13 nothing lead, uh, but but they got Ray Rice going. 20 rushes for Ray Rice, 101 yards. He he had a score as well. Uh, this was a big game for Baltimore, a game that I think they really needed to win at home against uh, the Patriots. is really going to give them confidence going forward. And on the other side for New England, Tom Brady had a pretty good game. He didn't throw an interception. He went 28 for 41, threw one touchdown, 335 yards is quite a few yards, obviously, um, but fell, falling just short. Um, which doesn't happen much for New England, and now they're one and two on the season. It's it's unfamiliar territory for them, certainly. But but I have I have the confidence that they're going to make the adjustments that they need to make. Um, they need to make some on defense. Uh, the the offense was clicking pretty well. Um, they they could have done a little bit better at running ball, but but all teams have trouble running against Baltimore normally, so that, that's not too out of the ordinary. But um, they, they need to shore up that defense that had been playing very well in the first two weeks, but Baltimore really found those holes in that New England secondary. So I think you know New England's going to be fine. Uh, they're they're going to end up being a playoff team still. This, of course, is a huge game for a tiebreaker, as I would imagine that both these teams are going to be competing for a top seed in the AFC, and now Baltimore has that tiebreaker. So that was the game that really stuck out to me from Week 3, so far anyway, before the Monday night game is played. Uh, This was the top game of the week. Of course, a lot of it was overshadowed again by those referees. But there were a lot of other great games uh, from this past week. Uh, We're going to take a quick break first and then come back with some of those results from around the league in week three. Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. Just to remind you, you can contact me at my Twitter, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B, or email me at my Gmail account, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B-06 at gmail.com. And of course, you can get other great news on Facebook. Just search Dave's Football News. Now getting to other games from Week Three's Sunday's action, uh, we're going to the the country's capital, Washington, D.C. Robert Griffin III played his first home game in a Redskins uniform home game in the regular season anyway with the Cincinnati Bengals visiting. And a lot of people probably don't realize, but uh, Andy Dalton, the quarterback from the Bengals, and uh, Robert Griffin III played against each other 
in college, where Dalton went to TCU, Griffin went to Baylor, and um, a couple years ago, the two collided in that game, and TCU and Dalton um, crushed uh, the Baylor Bears and ended up win- winning that game. So th- this game was a little personal for Robert Griffin III. Uh, wanted to get a, uh, his second win of his career, first win at home in front of the home crowd, and wanted to beat uh, his old buddy, Andy Dalton. Uh, it didn't start out too well for the Redskins. Going into halftime, it was 24-10, to and... Actually, the ex-Raven kicker, Billy Cundiff, ended up kicking a field goal in the last few seconds to make it 24-10. It was 24-7. to uh, Billy Cundiff, of course, was the Ravens kicker last year. We wanted to, I did mention that we were going to talk about Justin Tucker in the previous segment and, and how uh, the Ravens brought in a rookie kicker for this season, and he just barely made that kick, um, something that... I think Raven fans and fans around the league are going to be watching very closely this whole year just because of the way last season ended and him being a rookie. I think that's very uh, gutsy of Baltimore to to have this type of team and have it be trusted by a rookie kicker. But anyway, we'll keep an eye on that for the whole season for Baltimore. But um, in the third quarter, Robert Griffin III really came alive um, in, the, in the first half, he, he struggled at times, got sacked twice in a row um, to, to end a drive. Uh, he, he fumbled on trying to option the ball at one point, and the third quarter was just much crisper, much better for the overall Redskin offense. Alfred Morris scored a touchdown in the third quarter. He had a good game running the ball 78 yards on 17 attempts. Uh, Robert Griffin III had a good running game, 85 total yards, and then throwing for 221. So Griffin had uh, a good game overall, but the Redskins' defense, in the end, gave up too many points. They came back and tied the game at 24. In the fourth quarter, Dalton came back alive, threw two more touchdown passes to take back a 14-point lead. 38-24, and Washington scored, recovered, actually tried to recover an onside kick, failed that, but the defense got a three and out, got the ball back to them, and with no timeouts, the Redskins and Robert Griffin III took the field at the two-yard line, their own two-yard line, and were driving down the field. But I don't want to say the replacement refs did it, but the referee... the um, did throw some flags, some penalties. Uh, there was a personal foul. And at, at one point, the Redskins were getting close to the Bengals' 30-yard line, and then all of a sudden they went back to their own 30-yard line, it seemed like. So they got pushed back very quickly um, and, and ended up falling uh, a touchdown short in this game. But the Redskins have really shown a lot uh, of fight, a lot of resilience in the first uh, three games. Um and they are a much improved team. I really think that they're going to. They're not going to compete for playoffs this year, but they're going to compete with people. They're going to be a good team pretty soon. And it's it starts the quarterback. This guy has really given that franchise life. And for Cincinnati, I think this is a game that really showed you what they could do. Andy Dalton is throwing the ball well. AJ Green is was on fire today, catching. 
uh, nine balls for 183 yards, a 73-yard bomb for a touchdown. So he, he was doing well. Um, the Bengals are are going to be there to the end, I, I think, um, in the AFC North and make a real interesting race in that division. So the next, next part of our show, we're going to go over um, a couple games and actually go into what surprised me from Week 3. There are a bunch of... There were quite a few upsets and a bunch of games that, you know, you, you kind of are surprised at what happened. And that, that first one, to me, was the Kansas City Chiefs going into New Orleans and getting a win. Um, both these teams were 0-2 going into the game. Both these teams are teams that people thought would make the playoffs. I, I, I personally think Kansas City, or, or I thought Kansas City would make the playoffs. I didn't think New Orleans would, but I know a lot of people still believed in the Saints before the season started. Um, and even now believe in them, although only three teams ever have made the playoffs starting 0-3, so the Saints have, the, the odds are stacked up against them. But um, New Orleans did not lose a game all year at home last year. We're a perfect 9-0, and including the playoffs, and they've already lost two games this year at home. I, I can't believe that, especially the way, the way they did it on Sunday, um, leading... Kansas City 24 to 6 at one point late in the third quarter it just looked like Kansas City was going to roll over and not do anything and then you know perhaps the best player on the field Jamal Charles at least he was the best player on the field on Sunday just went crazy through and uh, ran for a 91 yard touchdown late in the third quarter to make it 24-13 and, and it was a game uh, overall, Jamal Charles ran 33 times, 233 yards, and a touchdown. That was incredible. And then Kansas City had a ton of opportunities, took, made a bunch of trips into the red zone in the fourth quarter, but weren't weren't able to get that touchdown to to bring it closer. They they kicked a bunch of field goals and actually ended up getting a safety late in the fourth quarter. When they were they were um, losing 24-19, and had turned the ball over on downs, uh, but Drew Brees, excuse me, I think they they punted Drew Brees back um, inside the five, and then ended up getting a sack for a safety to make it 24-21, and then got a last second field goal in the fourth quarter to tie the game to send it into overtime, and then got another field goal in overtime to win it. So. Um, it wasn't a perfect comeback for Kansas City. Uh, it, it took a lot of clawing, um, a, a lot of scrapping to get field goal safety, but um, they they ended up getting it done. They, it, it was also a little sloppy, three turnovers for Kansas City, o- uh, only one for New Orleans. 288 total yards for New Orleans. Scored 24 points, decent amount, but that's pretty low uh, yard total for a uh, pro- prolific Saints offense, uh, but Kansas City 510 yards had the ball for 42 minutes, so quite a um, quite a contrast there for both teams um, for for such a close game anyway. But Kansas City gets the W. It's a much needed win for Kansas City, who's trying to stay alive out there in the AFC West, uh, and was helped out by San Diego losing. And Denver also losing. Denver was a favorite of everybody at the beginning of the season. They're one and two. San Diego fell down back to earth. They're two and one. So 
Kansas City definitely alive and well out there in the AFC West. New Orleans, unfortunately, their boat's starting to sink. 0-3 is going to be tough to come back from. Atlanta is 3-0, and so the division is it's going to be quite a climb to win the division. But um, And the, the NFC is tough this year. Wild card is going to be tough as well. Well, another game that was really surprising to um, people out there, and the result was Pittsburgh and Oakland. Um, Oakland came back in that game to score 13 points in the fourth quarter to defeat the Steelers 34-31 on a last-second Sebastian Janikowski field goal. This was a game that Pittsburgh had control most of the way. Oakland was was staying alive, um, keeping it close, but Pittsburgh led almost the entire game. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger went crazy with 384 passing yards and four touchdowns, but Carson Palmer came through throwing for 209 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. The first pass of the game was picked off, but um, Oakland was a more balanced team. Uh, Darren McFadden ran for 113 yards and a touchdown, a long 64-yard run that went for a score. Pittsburgh, once again, they can't get the running game going, but they do control the time of possession with that short, immediate passing game. But the problem for Pittsburgh, I think, today was they turned it over twice. Uh, Two fumbles um, from a running back, Jonathan Dwyer, and wide receiver, Antonio Brown. Brown fumbled going into the end zone. Luckily for him, he recovered it for for Pittsburgh. and He was fortunate there, along with the Steelers. Um... But I think for another thing for Pittsburgh, a team that everybody thought would win this game, um, they 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 didn't get much pressure on the quarterback. They seemed to really miss James Harrison and and Troy Polamalu didn't play in this game either. Not to make excuses for the Steelers, they have a lot of other great players and they didn't get the job done today. Uh, getting pressure on Palmer, uh, he looked pretty comfortable back there. Besides that one interception, was only sacked once. Um, and uh, that's something I think the the Steelers defense, if they want to go where they want to go, if they want to stay with Baltimore, they gotta they gotta improve on their their pass rush um, and create more turnovers. As for Oakland, huge win, getting their first win with their new coach. Um, one and two, like we said, one and two is still alive out there in the AFC West. It's going to be a tough, uh, close division. The, the whole season. So although, uh, you know, no one really thinks Oakland's going to do much. Um, this is still a big game against a team that's supposed to be really good in, in Pittsburgh. Um, time will tell whether Pittsburgh be, is really good or not. But but regardless, Oakland, um, a, a much-needed win for them and great for their franchise to get that first win with that new coach. But perhaps the biggest surprise of the day came in Minnesota with the 49ers being upset by the Vikings 24-13. to It's funny, uh, I watched a NFL Countdown Sunday morning and they, they were praising uh, the 49ers, saying uh, the, how can you beat this team? They're the most complete team in the NFL. They do this well, they do that. They don't turn the ball over, they do this. And rightfully so. I, I mean, I completely agree with everything that they said. But right on cue, the 49ers seem to lay a dud in, in Minnesota against a team that 
I mean, a lot of people don't think is going to be very good. They they are two and one, um, so that they, they have a winning record after three games anyway. And and 49ers made, made quite a few mistakes in this game. It's a game that I didn't watch, so I don't um, have a ton to say about the game. But it really surprised me to see this score. Alex Smith threw an interception. Um, uh, Frank Gore and Alex Smith lost fumbles, so three turnovers for the 49ers. When was the last time we saw them lose the turnover differential? Uh, probably uh, the NFC Championship game, perhaps, uh, a game that they felt like they should have won. But um, th- this was quite a surprise uh, seeing Minnesota win. Um, San Francisco, I-, I would expect, to be very angry as they travel to go play the New York Jets uh, next week. I would say that they're going to take out their anger on those Jets who snuck out a victory on Sunday against the Dolphins. So there are a couple other surprises, but we're going to save those for the fourth and long segment. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with that segment. Just a few more hours, and I'll be right home to you. I think I And we're back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. We're going into our fourth and long segment. And to start off, we're going to go to another game that really surprised me. The Arizona Cardinals defeating the Philadelphia Eagles. Maybe not a surprise in the the win, but the score of the game, 27-6 to in favor of the Cardinals, I thought was quite a surprise after Philadelphia overcame those turnovers. You thought, all right, they're going to get straightened out not turn the ball over, take care of the ball, and then you know Philadelphia is going to be able to go on to a, a nice run. Well, that run's not going to start uh, this week as they, they got beat up by the Cardinals' defense. And the first question or first statement um, actually is from article by Wayne Hood, Philadelphia Eagles versus Arizona Cardinals, Five Things We Learned. And his number one thing, the Arizona Cardinals are legit. And I am going to grunt. I, I think they are. They are a legit team. And, you know, it's it's kind of funny in today's NFL. Normally, if you want to be a legit team, the first thing you put together is the quarterback. You decide who's going to run my offense. The Cardinals are doing it the way maybe it would have been done back in the 1970s. The last piece that the Cardinals are putting together or they're going to find out this year is that quarterback. They have a great defense. They have a pretty good offense. They have uh, wide receivers to throw to and Larry Fitzgerald and the rookie Michael Floyd out of Notre Dame. Uh, they, they have decent running backs and Beanie Wells, Ryan Williams when he's healthy. Uh, I don't know much about the offensive line. I, I haven't been able to watch the Cardinals play yet, but now I really want to watch them play. Because um, they they seem legit to me, and uh, I agree with Wayne Hood in saying that I think they're going to be a, a team that's going to compete out there in the NFC West. It's another team. The, the the NFC is really tough this year. You throw in, you know, the the fact that you think 
Green Bay and San Francisco seem to be locks for the playoffs. All right, right now New Orleans is down. Okay, so we'll take them out, but Atlanta is up. So those three you're gonna you're gonna say are gonna be in the playoffs. You got three teams in the NFC East: Eagles, Cowboys, and Giants all competing. Then you got the Bears and Lions. People still like the Lions, even though they're one and two right now. And then all of a sudden. Out in the West, you got the Cardinals and the Seahawks, depending on how they do Monday night against Green Bay. But you got all those teams are legitimate playoff teams. Uh, I think the, the Cardinals are legit. I'm grunting on that statement, and I agree with Wayne Hood. Good, a good uh, article he wrote. I, I suggest everybody check out that piece he wrote on the the Eagles Cardinals game. The next one we're gonna go to uh, a, a game that I thought should have got a little bit more hype. Um, it was one of the best games of the day. Uh, Houston went out to visit Denver. Houston was really looking forward to playing Peyton Manning. They they played him a lot, obviously, in the AFC South. Um, this time, of course, Peyton was on the Broncos and the, in Mile High. We saw him have a great game at home against the Steelers, tore them apart, but then had a, really struggled on the road against Atlanta um, at home today. Uh, it was somewhere in between, I guess. But Houston's defense really um, took control early on, and and Matt Schaub looked really sharp. So, so my statement today is: Houston the favorite in the AFC. Um, and if you if your regulars on our show, um, I my my preseason prediction was Houston to go to the Super Bowl. So I'm going to stay with that. Uh, I don't you know see any reason to change it after three weeks. Um, just having fun with uh, you know my statements today, but like Arizona, uh, Houston is one of those teams that are three and zero. There's only three undefeated teams left in the NFL after three weeks. That is Arizona, Houston, and Atlanta. I like all three teams. Um, I've only been able to see Atlanta play. I, I really, really like Atlanta right now. I think they're they look really good, especially on offense. Um, but Houston was a team that I liked before the season. I still like them now. They have a top defense. They have a, one of the best running backs in the league, if not the best. They have a great receiving core. And Matt Schaub is, is, is the quarterback that can get it done and get them to where they want to go. They're still my favorite in the AFC after three weeks. And we're going to go back out to the NFC West for our last statement. Uh, go back to Wayne Hood's uh, article, his fifth point. Um all of a sudden, the NFC West is one of the best divisions in football. And you know what, Wayne? Uh, I actually been thinking the same thing even before this week. And week three just further proved um, your and I's point that the NFC West is emerging as one of the best divisions. We already had San Francisco um, as one of the top league's teams. Now, um, all of a sudden, the Cardinals and... Seahawks have emerged as good teams, and there's a lot of there's a lot of great divisions in the league. Uh, the NFC East uh, really sticks out. You know what? The NFC North has really done well. The AFC North had three playoff teams last year. That's very difficult for a division to have. Could end up with three again this year. We'll see. Um, so there's a, there's a bunch of I I, I guess I'm going to punt and say it's not the best division, but one of the best it could be, um, or or it is. Looking like that way after after three weeks, um, you know I love this segment. 
it, it's fun to debate, and I, I'd love to hear what you have to, to say or what you think. But it is very early in the season. I recognize that a lot of these statements um, could sound very um, insane in a few weeks. But um, for but right now, yeah, the NFC West looks really good. I agree with Wayne that um, this is a division that is much improved. And for, for people that think that San Francisco was just going to run over the division like they did last year, which actually they didn't do last year. They did lose a division game last year. But it, for people that you know think it's easy for San Francisco to go 14-2, and 13-3 and because of that division, they're, they're wrong. I, I love San Francisco. I think they look great. Um, even after today's loss. But um, you have to keep in mind, um, Seattle, Arizona, even St. Louis, they're all better than they were last year. So it's going to be a little bit tougher road for San Francisco. So that's all we have for the fourth and long segment. We're going to take a quick break and then come back and wrap up today's show. Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday in the Morning Huddle. I'm Dave Holcomb. Once again, you can contact me at my Twitter, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B, or my Gmail account, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B-06 at gmail.com. And also, if you want to get other news um, from Football Nation and myself, search in the Facebook toolbar, Dave's Football News. Literally, right off the press... There's a new article up on our website. Time for change in Philadelphia. Why Michael Vick, Vick, excuse me, Michael Vick must be benched. That's written by Justin Wallace, a writer here at Football Nation. Uh, quite a controversial article, I would say. Um, I'm not going to comment on it. I'm just going to recommend everybody to go and read it. But certainly with all the hype of the Dream Team and whatnot um, last year and then even this year with Michael Vick saying they're going to be a dynasty and how the, he, him and his team have not been able to take care of that football. That pigskin has been on the ground a lot for the Eagles. Uh, you know, maybe it is time for change. I, I, You know, we'll see. I don't think so. Uh, I still think Michael Vick's the guy out there. But interesting read. Uh, I recommend it. A couple other results. Before we go, I'll get out to you um, from week three. Jacksonville got their first win over Andrew Luck um, and the Colts 22-17. Buffalo, 2-1 and one after a very rough week one. They find themselves on top of the AFC East, tied for that division with a win over Cleveland. The Jets edged out Miami in overtime there on top of the AFC East as well because New England is 1-2. and two. Jets defeated the Dolphins 23-20. That's a game that's big for the Jets. They always seem to struggle against Miami. They at least got the first win over them. Tennessee defeated Detroit in overtime. That was a huge win. Detroit, I thought that uh, Detroit always falls behind, but somehow they find a way to win. They fall short this time. They ended up sending it into overtime after being down by 14 with less than a minute to go. Somehow they tie the game, but um, they fall short. Tennessee wins in overtime 44-41. to Dallas 
beat Tampa Bay 16 to 10. Chicago killed St. Louis 23 to 6. Atlanta and San Diego, huge game. Didn't really live up to the the hype. It was Atlanta all the way. They defeated the Chargers 27 to 3. That's all the games we had for Sunday. Of course, there was a game on Thursday. The New York Giants really took it to the Panthers and they defeated them 36 to 7. Thanks for tuning into our show this week. We're on every Monday morning on Football Nation. Stay tuned next week. Enjoy t- Monday's game if you're listening on Monday. That game is Green Bay at Seattle. And then, of course, week four will start on Thursday with a great AFC North rivalry, Baltimore and Cleveland. But in the meantime, I'm going to go try and find some peace in my mind. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.